Welcome to the Reality Explorers Podcast. This is my personal journey of exploration and investigation, questioning what is really going on around us. What is underneath the surface of it all? What does our mind interpret as real and what may not be real? Join me now as we dive in deep and explore reality. And uh, welcome to the second episode of the Reality Explorers podcast. And we're here today with Christine Brees, the founder of the University of Metaphysical Sciences. And uh, here we go. So, hello, Christine. Welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me on your show. I'm really looking forward to it. Awesome. So, the... um, so the idea of the podcast is a uh, exploration in reality, and it's just kind of my journey through reality to get different perceptions on wh- how people see it from their professions and how they interface with the world. Um, and I'm just collecting these different experiences and sharing it with the world as well. Um, so anyway, in the podcast, um, we do three segments and then the rest of the the session is just kind of free form. Before we dive in, uh, a chance to kind of introduce yourself and what what you do. Well, I am the founder of University of Metaphysical Sciences and Gaia Sagrada Retreat Center in Ecuador. University of Metaphysical Sciences is in the states, and Gaia Sagrada Ayahuasca and San Pedro Retreat Center is in Ecuador. And I am just starting. Uh, Guy Sagrada Magic Mushroom Retreats in Jamaica. We can't do the magic mushrooms in Ecuador. Can't do it in the States, but Jamaica you can. So here we go. And uh, I'm just basically, you know, regular person, just like everybody else, just trying to share what I know and trying to share, save the world a little bit, whatever my individual contribution can be. And yeah. That's about it. And I make YouTube videos. I make meditation CDs. I write books. I do workshops in meditation and spirituality, stuff like that. Awesome. Well, I think we're definitely at a point in time in history where uh, it's greatly needed more than ever, I think. so. Yeah, big change in our era. It's a good time for educating the masses and... Um, Mm-hmm. Showing them another another opportunity if they choose. Right. Um, okay. So the jumping into the, segment one, the big question: What is reality from your perspective, in your experience? Ooh. That's <laughs> the big question. Yes. For the very beginning. Well. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a heavy question, but everything else uh, kind of plays off of that. Well. Honestly, if you really want to know the truth, none of this is really here. It's actually an astral world. 
this is actually an astral world. Everybody thinks the physical world is the solid world and everything else is the astral world or spirit worlds or what have you. But really, they're all astral worlds. They're all imaginary worlds. This whole thing is just happening in the imagination of God self, God mind. And if you really, if you don't believe this as a spiritual level, listen to science. It's less than 1% matter. It's 99.6 something empty space. What can describe an astral world better than that? And so, what, so a lot of people ask me, well, what's real and what's not real? And if you really want to know the truth, if you, everything that appears and disappears is illusion. Everything that is born and dies is illusion. It's an imagining in the mind of God. Everything that begins and ends is illusion. It's an imagining. There's only one thing that's real, and this is what generates what we're perceiving as reality, even though that's not really reality. All of this is not really reality. The reality is, is that it's a singularity, this one self that's living all these lives, this God self. And the only thing that's real is consciousness. And a lot of people think, well, I'm enlightened because I can see from the observer point of view, or I'm like super cool because I'm an observer. I'm not just the observed, but there's something bigger than that. And this is when you're really getting it, is when you realize yourself as the container that contains both the observed and the observer. This is, we're going beyond all the dogma and spiritual teachings and all this stuff. If you really want to know this God self, it's this container in which this whole thing is happening, this whole universe, this whole, all your good experiences, all your bad experiences, everything in between, that's that's all just thoughts. They're all just imaginings. They're mental constructs from the mind of God. And you are a what-if question that God had in its mind saying, well, what if my name was, and what if my set of experiences was, and what if my culture is, what if my, my native country is what if the reality is that i'm in is the earth reality what if and then the thought is born the illusion the imagining begins and then eventually it ends and so that's how you know what's real and what reality is is know yourself as the container in which it's really happening because this whole thing is just a bioreflection machine to project what the consciousness is doing i'm <laughs> i'm glad you brought up the the what if questions um which gives it a whole new perspective because i mean i've heard in life that people talk about playing the what if question game mm-hmm. it's always brought in a negative context of you're trying to make a decision on doing something and then people start playing with what if this happens or what if this happens. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of in a way rewriting reality in a way too, because you're making a choice. You're trying to make a choice mm-hmm. and you're running through these questions and it's sometimes viewed as a negative thing to do. Uh, but it's kind of neat to see we were talking about what if as a way to alter possibilities and make choices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's a good thing to ask a what-if question. For instance, I use that with people who are in fear. 
Well, what's the worst that can happen? What if the worst thing that you are scared of happens? What what's can you survive it? What what are the consequences if, if the worst thing that you imagine happens? What are the consequences? And can you survive that? And even if the worst that can happen, which is the worst that could happen, is that you die, even if that happens, which it's going to happen anyway, sooner or later, so it's not like anybody gets to be here forever, if that happens, are you going to survive it? And the answer is yes. And, but, you know, the, the point is, is that death is not really a bad thing. It's not the worst thing that can happen. And you even survive that because your spirit goes on to a new adventure and a new thing. And so even the worst that can happen isn't really that bad. And most people are afraid of people not liking them or somebody saying, okay, you're not good enough for the job, and then they lose the job, or a lover leaving them or not getting materially successful. That's really a, a lot of people's fear and they're not real. If you're a God being walking this earth in your dream and awake in your dream, you're not going to worry about any of that because you survive it. And if one door closes and another three or four open, if not a hundred. So, <laughs> so anyway, that what if question, if you want to use it in a positive way, it's a way to look at the worst that can happen and realize that you're going to survive it and you can handle it instead of worrying about it what happens is a lot of people worry about stuff and waste all this energy on stuff that never even happens doesn't even happen and i'm like just handle it when it gets there if if it happens and the other 95 percent of the stuff that never happens that you usually would spend all this time worrying about at least you saved your energy and you're having a good time and not, not ruining your now moment. So, so the what if question is useful to face fear, really, and then get that out of the way so that you can live a fearless life, have a fearless experience. And then if bad stuff happens, and it does sometimes to help you grow, then handle it. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> And don't sweat sweat it before it gets here, because maybe what you're worried about is never even going to happen. Mm. So don't waste your energy. Your energy is precious. The master does not waste energy, conserves energy, uses it wisely. I think there's, there's two things that we can branch off with this. The, the first one, I think you described what I wanted to roll into is about, you know, this too shall pass. Mm -hmm. And um, what that phrase that you hear people talk about, this too shall pass, and um, kind of, I wouldn't call it the negative connotations that that gives, but it kind of leaves, I wouldn't say kind of empty, but if you don't understand what what, what that involves about the fearlessness, it mm -hmm. feels kind of empty. But when you build off of what you're talking about, about asking what if and being fearless, mm -hmm. I think that helps to explain that. Yeah, the phrase, this too shall pass. I have to say, that's one of my favorite phrases. <laughs> it gets me through a lot of stuff. Oh, my God. You know, a lot of people think I'm just, like, meditating on top of a mountain somewhere, all zenned out and stuff. But I'm running four businesses. I mean, one of them is a construction thing because 
building a retreat center literally as a construction business too. Uh, I'm running a magic mushroom retreat. I'm running the ayahuasca retreats. I'm running a metaphysical meditation school for degrees. I'm running a construction business to build all this stuff. Hmm. And that means I'm not having just like some zen out easy life. Uh, sitting on a mountain somewhere like Babaji, I wish. <laughs> but I deal with people, I deal with business, I deal with governments, I deal with taxes. I mean, I'm dealing with two governments, Ecuador and the United States, and now Jamaica to to do all these businesses. And, um, you know, I've got payroll for all these businesses. I've got advertisement so the point is is that i get all this wacky stuff coming into my reality that wouldn't come into my reality especially certain people that would and challenges with people mm-hmm. that wouldn't come into my reality if i was just like a regular person having a job and just being able to control my own environment and control only my friends are around me life was so much easier before i started my life work <laughs> because I could control my environment much more and people who just really aren't okay just can't be in my, my life, you know, sorry, you can't be be here. And I'm not in that position now. Now I've got to work with situations and people and developments and structures that if I if I get all upset about it, it really ruins everything. So... This Too Shall Pass is probably one of my favorite two mottos that makes it so I can just take a breath and say, okay, that person is not going to be in my reality forever. This situation is not going to be in my reality forever. We're going to get that registration for the business done. We're going to get the land registered right. We're going to get, you know, certain thing, you know, the taxes reported, even though we have to get a get a an extension wait just take a breath this too shall pass and then in a way i'm able to actually return to happiness just by saying that i take a breath and i'm just like ah this too shall pass and i'll be watching a silly cat video again in no time (laughs) (laughs) and if you want to know my other favorite mottos that helps me get through a lot of stuff that is not always pleasant because not every now moment is a good moment some now moments really suck. Um, or some now moments really aren't that great. Uh, is forgive them for they know not what they do. And sometimes we have to remember that we're walking among a lot of people who are unevolved and who... We're expecting everyone to act enlightened. We're expecting everyone to be mature. We're expecting everyone to be acting like a master and respectful, sincere, authentic, integrity, honest. We're expecting all of that from everyone. But that's not really the reality of this dream right now. And so... It's really important to realize that the more enlightened you get, the more awakened you get. You're never going to be fully enlightened because enlightened is a verb to know more. So you can never really get all the way there, but you never stop getting more enlightened every day with every experience. But 
and the more aware you get and the more evolved you get, the more it's going to feel like you're a little bit like a college professor walking among children. <laughs> <laughs> and you got to be patient. The way that you would be patient with a child as a parent who just colored on your walls and maybe you're not so patient or, you know, just put your sacred feathers in the barbecue or something, you know, or just put your, your you know, colored in your sacred books. And I don't have a barbecue, so that's not my problem because I'm a vegetarian. But, you know, some people do. And I've heard that story from a shaman. He's like, the kids put my sacred feathers in the... Uh, anyway, <laughs> you, have, you have to be patient with the children who just simply don't know any better. And so forgive them for they know not know what they do. Saying it to yourself, forgive them for they know not what to do. What they're doing is a way to step back and stop taking it so seriously, stop taking it so personally, and just be patient with children in adult bodies who don't know any better how to treat you right, don't know how to, any better how to be respectful, don't know how any better how to be honest. You know, some people are just trying to cope and they sneak a little here and there because they're, they, they have scarcity issues and there's pain there. So if you take it deeper and you look at what they're learning in that moment and have compassion for that moment that they're learning, then you're actually going to have a better time yourself and not be so upset about it. I'm learning it too. It's going to take a lifetime. I'm better at it than I was when I was 20. I'm 54 now, and I'm better now than I was. But I'm hoping by the time I'm 96, I'll be really good at that. So <laughs> just being tolerant with humanity and tolerant with people's issues and uh, be good to be really good at it before 96. But, yeah, <laughs> just imagine um, how masterful you can get in a lifetime by the time you're 90 or something like that or 80. If you use every opportunity to evolve. And so if you really want to take it even further, forgiveness is elementary. No blame in the first place is even more masterful. Just looking at it like, okay, they're learning. They're, they're growing. And so am I. And so be patient with the time that it takes. So this too shall pass. Mm -hmm. And for they know not what they do. Uh, and no blame in the first place. Just make that a positive thing instead of a negative thing. This too shall pass with a sigh like, oh, this so sucks. Is better to just say this too shall pass and I'm going to be divine and graceful even in this moment that isn't so pleasant. And if you can kind of give it that positive twist, if you're looking at it from the way to do that, if you're looking at saying this too shall pass, from a human struggling perspective, you're suffering. If this too shall pass comes from an eternal perspective, you're actually taking in this grace and this patience and this compassion that you're capable of and expressing that. And so it's all in where you're looking at it from as to how it looks and how that phrase works. So maybe a little bit longer answer than you expected on that, but... <laughs> As, as an added twist, now I like to kind of bring everything together. So we started off talking about uh, what if questions, mm -hmm. and then we talked about being fearless, right. uh, and then we talked about this too shall pass. Right. Uh, 
what what I like to tie everything together is one of the things that you talked about in the school was wisdom of the heart. Uh, they make choices based on wisdom of the heart. Yeah. So how would you describe what wisdom of the heart is? Hmm. So I think that'll kind of help wrap all this together. Yeah, we've been taught how to use the mind incorrectly. We've been taught to use the mind, okay, figure it out, strategize, manipulate, you know, learn, memorize, and that's knowledge and that's wisdom, and it's not. People are using the mind wrong. They're using the mind to basically build a rocket ship, but you're using the equipment of an ant as far as your intelligence compared to the wisdom of this God self and the heart is the doorway to the universal mind. The heart is actually wiser than the mind. The mind is the dumbest one in the bunch. <laughs> it really <laughs> is. It's the last to get it because the mind is supposed to be used like a catcher's mitt. It's supposed to be catching these completed ideas from this universal mind, which is the mind of God. And the universal mind is like this, this net with all these intersections and wherever there's an intersection, there's you or me or someone else or, or some sort of point of consciousness, even if it's a plant or an animal. Or, and all these, these inspirations are moving down these lines uh, of this net. If you think the Internet's big, wait till you see the universal mind. The, uh, all these inspirations and information and, and ideas and divine will, all this stuff is moving down these lines looking for a receptor to drop into. And these intersections is where there's a receptor, which is a human mind, for instance, in the human new sphere. A human mind, that's like a receptor in our brain. We are like receptors in God's mind. And so this idea, this inspiration travels, and it's like, okay, that mind's busy feeling like a self-worth. This mind's busy trying to figure out the mysteries of the universe that it's never going to figure out. This mind is busy being angry. Ah, here's one that's open. And so in goes the idea, in goes the inspiration, a completed thought, an aha realization where they say, where, where you say, Oh my gosh, I know what to do next. Or, oh my gosh, I totally know how to handle that situation now. Or, oh my gosh, I know exactly what to do in this relation. Or, I know exactly what kind of life work I should be doing. Whatever it is. And so this is how to use the mind. But the heart is the one that's actually wise. The mind, if you think mind is a catcher's mitt, heart is the one that understands and just knows. It doesn't have to learn all this stuff. It doesn't have to memorize a bunch of stuff to be wise. It's already wise because this is where the singularity is, this, this one consciousness, the doorway to that. The heart is, actually the heart is really right here, right at the center of who you are. It's a point of light at the center of who you are. And the, but the heart is actually the one who can tap into this gazillion years worth of information that you have and knowledge and experience that you have as God's self. This, it's the same one living all these lives. So every life that's ever been lived, every experience that's ever been had in every dimension, every reality, every time possible, 
from the beginning of time, which really could be called the beginning of God imagining, the beginning of God thinking, um, to the end of time, to the point where God finally says, okay, I've discovered everything there is to know about myself, which will never really come. So, But um, when you have this amount of wisdom in you, and the place you get that, the place you tap into, is in the stillness of your heart. And that's where all the directions come for that, from. That's where all your 007 secret agent of love assignments come from. That's where all your, all your information comes from. And a lot of times people will ask me, well, how do you know what you know? What, who did you study with? Where, how, what books did you read? This information that I know, when I know something about a person, about a past life, or I just see something in their aura, or I just know something about them, or know what their problem is, or maybe the solution to that, I, honestly, I never know what I'm going to say to people, but somehow I just know these things to help them, and, and know these things about them that there's no way to know except for being tapped into this deeper wisdom and these these skills of God's self. And the way that happens is you just know. This isn't something you've learned. You tap into this wisdom you already have deep inside yourself. That's literally gazillions of years worth of experience. And when you can tap into that, you're no longer using the ant mind trying to build a rocket ship. This is the one that's built a lot of rocket ships already. This this heart. And it's like a doorway to this resource inside you, the God molecule inside you, the God spark. That's really where the wisdom is. It's not in your head. It's not in human experience. This is just three blinks of an eye. It's a rapid eye movement for the soul in the face of eternity. And really, there's it's one of gazillions of these moments for this soul, this God self, this being, this creator being that you are. And so you can't use this equipment to understand the nature of yourself, really. Only the heart can go there. So you gotta meet leave the mind at the door and only the heart can go where you're really going. So if you're going to a masterful ship level. Welcome back to the Reality Explorers Podcast with Christine Brees. And we are in our second segment now. So this is where I ask Christine, what is your game? And that just simply means how do you choose to participate in reality and how do you work with it and manipulate it and interact? Well, that's a good question. How do I do all this? (laughs) Um, Well, basically what I do is I try to keep my inner landscape clean. Um, this whole thing's a reflection machine. And if you look, just like when you get up in the mirror in, in the morning and you look like crap in the mirror, reality's going to say, hey, you look like crap. So if, if you aren't keeping your inner reality clean, and if you're keeping your inner reality clean, then your outer reality is going to be clean. If you're keeping your inner reality heavenly, 
then your outer reality is going to be heavenly. And so if you want to live in heaven, you've got to act like an angel. You've got to think like an angel. You have to feel the way a master would feel about things. And it takes a lifetime to do that. And I'm the first to say, I'm not going to tell anybody I mastered all this stuff. That would be anybody who tells you that stuff is lying. And, but, you know, you get to different levels of mastery at certain points in your life. And the longer you've been doing it, the more masterful you can get. And what I always like to tell people is that if they want to change their outer reality, you got to change the inner reality. you got to change the inner self. Because when you get up in the morning, you go and look in the mirror, and you look like crap, the mirror's going to say you look like crap. <laughs> it doesn't lie. Same thing with this reality. If you have a inner reality, an inner landscape that isn't pretty, you hate yourself, you say things to yourself that aren't supportive, or you have judgments on others, or you harbor negative feelings or indulge in negative thoughts and feelings. If you do that, your outer reality is going to reflect that. You're at the projection machine, the mirror that this reality is, is going to show you what's going on in the inside. This is why it's such a... Uh, it's a consciousness reflection machine to show you where you need to change things if you don't like the reality. And so you have to clean it up inside if you want the outside to change because if you keep it clean inside, if you rearrange your inner landscape and you make sure that your inner landscape is, is beautiful, then it's a law of the universe. The outside reality has to rearrange itself to reflect. Because later when you go to the mirror and you doll yourself all up to go to work or you go to dinner or you want to look nice, the mirror's like saying, hey, looking pretty hot, looking pretty good. So you want to be in a situation where reality reflects this beautiful inner world. And there's never a point where you look like crap on the inside and you know life is for learning but so you're not going to have like a heavenly inner experience all the time and and if you are having a heavenly experience all the time you're probably in denial of what your life lessons are so i always say a real master is never always in bliss 24-7 if, they, if they're continuing to learn their lessons. you got to continue to learn your lessons and not avoid your lessons. Because some people are looking for this bliss 24-7 thing and think that's enlightenment. And that's not what enlightenment is. Enlightenment is being present for everything that's happening, being present for all your lessons, being aware of who you are, which is this God-self-dreaming, the arena of consciousness in which all of this is happening, both the observer and the observed, and rolling with it. It's an ad-lib show. This whole reality, its its there's a general plan, but for the most part, you're writing the script as you go along. So keep your karma clean, keep your... Thoughts clean, keep your emotions clean, don't indulge in anything that's unclean, really, if you want this reality to reflect. So my game is keep my own inner landscape as clean as I can. Can't say I've mastered it yet, but I'm getting closer at 54 than I was than when I was 20. 
And then reality arranges itself. I don't actually really have to do so much affirming a nice place to live or affirming the right people to be around or affirming this or affirming that and you know longing for and struggling for and hoping that the, these mind games are going to work if you really want to do a life hack mm -hmm. arrange the inner landscape to be a beautiful inner landscape no matter what's happening around you no matter what's happening in the world if you arrange the inner landscape to be a beautiful heavenly place that you inside are a heavenly place then or as heavenly as it could be given any given circumstances then the reality is going to arrange itself in a beautiful way and you don't have to be so effortful as to how you want to move your reality now sometimes i do jump in there and say okay I'm going to do a little alchemy over here to move reality in that liquid way that I know that it can move if you put just a little more effort into manifesting this or you put just a little more will into or you become just a little bit more of a magnetic force to attract the creation material for what you want to create. For instance, I um, sometimes I'll have like a certain uh, staff member kind of person that I would need who who really knows um, uh, for instance they needed a webmaster who could get us into the 21st century so I just imagined myself really having this webmaster who could get all my web presence better because all my websites are like are terrible I, you know they were all built in the 90s you know <laughs> and so so we have to we have to update everything and i mean i think that's one of my problems on the internet that i can't get the word out there sometimes what we're doing is because everything's so antiquated so i really was like okay you know what i'm going to tweak the alchemy of this reality a little bit and make a see if i can get a webmaster that we can afford to come out of the woodwork from somewhere or anywhere right well i did this for only maybe about five weeks and it turns out it was somebody I knew all along who was right under my nose the whole time but I did not have the vision to see this a lot of times the things I need are right there and I literally when I'm tweaking reality and I'm doing alchemy and I'm doing some magic with the universe it's magic until you know how to use the universal laws once you understand the universal laws, then you're just using the universal laws. It's not magic, but to everybody else, it'll look like magic. Sometimes what I realize when I'm tweaking the, I'm moving the alchemy or I'm moving reality in a direction I want it to go, is that I'm actually changing my own perspective. I'm changing my own ability to receive. I'm changing me, really. I'm not changing out there. I'm not changing this reality. I'm not. Ch I'm changing what I'm getting reflected back at me. So this is really the game. If you really want to understand how reality works, change yourself so that the reflection gives you back a nice reflection, gives you back the reflection that you want. Because, for instance, this example with trying to find a webmaster who could get all our websites fixed up in a in a nice way, just found him like five days ago and within five days he built me 
the website for the Magic Mushroom retreats in Jamaica built the website for that in like six hours, and it's beautiful. Uh-huh. It's beyond anything. Now we're just doing some more tweaking and you know getting the fonts right and stuff like that. Maybe installing some plugins and getting the reservation page working. But a you know maybe in. 15 hours by the time this thing is done, maybe even 20 at the most, I'm going to have the most fanciest, coolest website with a video behind the pros of just these universes and galaxies and stuff. I mean, it's going to be like the best, most awesome website I've ever had in my whole life. Just changing one thing, which was my ability to have it reflected my ability to see that which was available, that the ability to not necessarily move the outside, but what I moved was the inside. I made myself receptive to what I wanted to experience in reality. Mm-hmm. So that's just an example of how to really play this reality manipulation game. You actually manipulate yourself. You want to change your reality, you change yourself. That's really the bottom line. If you want it in a nutshell, right there. (laughs) If you want to change the outside, you got to change yourself, period. Law of the universe. Because remember, it's a mirror. It's a reflection machine. Anyway, if you're looking at it as a game, Mm -hmm. the game is with yourself. <laughs> well, actually, this is a great segue into the other big question I wanted to ask you. One of the, one of the talks that you gave that I was very fascinated with was uh, mind games. Yeah, and, uh, you gave a really brilliant talk on mind games, and uh, I don't know what, what what could you go into to talk about mind games in the context of. Well, first, I want to get straight to the core of the point with mind games. There's only one way to win a mind game. Only one way. You quit. You have to quit mind games. You have to say, I'm not going to do this self-worth, hating myself thing anymore. I'm not going to do this depression thing anymore. I'm not going to do the anger thing anymore. I'm not going to do the fear thing and anxiety thing anymore. I'm just not going to do it. Now, how you get to that point, we're going to talk about for a moment, but... I just want to get right to the punchline, right to the end of the story right there, is Uh that you have to quit mind games to win mind games. And Mm -hmm. mind games are where you have these programs running, you have emotions running, you have habitual patterns running that you play with yourself, you get obsessed, you get caught in what what are called consciousness loops. And when you get caught in a consciousness loop, it's really hard to stop a consciousness loop if you don't have the ability to quit a mind game. For instance, oh, you get so obsessed about being angry at that person, or you get so obsessed about being in depression, or you get so obsessed about self-hate and not being worthy and not being good enough and all this stuff. You get in stuck like you're caught on an electrical current. This is what I call a consciousness loop. If you get caught in an electrical current, if you know how electricity works, if you touch something that's electrical, not all electricity works this way. I don't know what, I don't know the science behind it, but sometimes you'll touch an electrical wire or an outlet or something and you can't let go 
until someone comes and knocks you off that current. And so this is how we can get into these habitual, obsessive, unable to get ourselves out of this circle of thinking or circle of emoting with the emotions. We, we literally sometimes need someone to come and knock us off that current. And when people come to my retreats, at these medicine retreats, the meditation retreats, or watch my videos or something, they're trying to get themselves or anybody's videos or, or go to any retreats really or try to read self-help books, anything. What they're trying to do is get pushed off the consciousness loop that they got on, trying to get somebody who can knock them off that, that obsessive thinking, that obsessive emoting. And in a way, a mind habit is a harder habit to break. A mind game is harder to break than, say, a physical habit like addiction to drugs or addiction to sugar or addiction to um, alcohol or addiction to sex or TV or Internet or whatever, social media, <laughs> the latest addiction. <laughs> The addiction of the 2000s um, is because the mind habits hide more. They're trickier to see. You don't even know you're in these loops until you really, really, really try to become self-aware and do a lot of self-exploration, self-discovery, and policing of your consciousness. Until you police your consciousness, you're not going to even know you're playing these mind games. Whereas with something like addiction, like drinking, you know you did something you weren't supposed to do again. You just drank a half a bottle of wine or whatever it was, or alcohol or whiskey, or, I, I don't know, or beer, <laughs> whatever it is. Or smoking, okay, you've smoked another cigarette when you are trying to quit. Or okay, I ate another you know, Ben and Jerry's when I know I'm trying to stop my addiction to sugar or something. Sugar's my thing. <laughs> Uh, that one's been a tough one for me I love Ben and Jerry's and oh my god and now that I've discovered rice dream and coconut dream and okay all right stop talking about sugar <laughs> <laughs> um, but really um, whatever your addiction of choice is, is it's everybody's got something that they get obsessive about but it's easier with the physical ones and I really recommend the best equipment for breaking a mind game, for quitting a mind game, is get a repeating alarm on your phone. Ah. Um, there's there's these repeat. Look in the iPhone store or the Google store or wherever, Google Play, whatever those are. And download an app for your phone that's called a repeating alarm. Try a few until you get one that you like and, and works for you well. And set it for every half, half an hour and check what your consciousness is doing every half an hour. Uh, because you might be awake and aware of what you're doing for about five, ten minutes. <laughs> and then go back on autopilot somewhere in that half an hour. Watch. You'll see. Unless you are really focused... As soon as you get that phone call or as soon as you have to do that mundane task or as soon as your cat attracts your attention and, and you ha risk the, the chance to go back onto automatic pilot and you miss the opportunity to retrain your consciousness. So this every half an hour repeating alarm, it is a great 
mind game quitting consciousness policing tool. And what it'll do is help you take a look at what you're doing. Oh, I'm back in the desktop pattern of frustration. Or I'm back in the desktop pattern of, for, for no reason. Or I'm back in the de desktop pattern. My, I went back to that habitual depression that I'm always in. Or I went to that habitual fear that I'm always in. And then whew, you have to stop, take a breath, and say, I quit this mind game and I replace it with fill it in. I quit this program. I erase and replace. I'm interrupting the program with this alarm. I'm interrupting the program. I'm giving my consciousness a little citation, make a note that I just broke the law of, of being in a heavenly space within myself. If I want to have heaven around me. And so, but you know, don't punish yourself. Just, you know, try again. And the, and then I'm going to erase and replace this program with fill in the blank. You could think of it as affirmations, but, you know, law of attraction, whatever. Hey, that's so elementary. Really, it comes down to law of vibration. I would like to rename it all to Law of Vibration because that's really what it's about is the vibration you're holding. Our Skype call dropped. So this is a segue between talking about vibration to talking about a desktop pattern as your default mental state. Desktop pattern is once you close all the other programs and you're back to your normal resting state without being distracted or directed into anything, what is your desktop pattern? Are you always in a state of frustration? Are you always in a state of depression? Are you always in a state of anger or, or fear? What are you always in a state of? And when you return to this unconscious program that's running all the time, is that a positive program or a negative program? And it's much better to have a desktop pattern where you just return to a state where you're kind of at peace or you're happy or you're joyful. And, and honestly, I can't say I've mastered having that as my desktop pattern, but I'm pretty close to that. Pretty doing pretty good with that. Most of the time I'm, I'm in a good mood now, uh, even for no reason, but then something comes along that challenges that and I fall out of it and I'm like, all right, I got to handle this. This too shall pass, you know, forgive them for they know not what they do. Be patient, no blame. They're all learning. I'm learning too. And, and all those, those tools come in when there's these things that throw you off the center, this desktop pattern of being joyful. And, but that's the point of knocking yourself off this consciousness loop, trying to break this pattern and quit this mind game and erase and replace the program. Interrupt, replace, erase and replace. Interrupt, erase and replace is the goal. And it takes about 60 days to create a new habit, to break a habit and create a new habit it's still in its baby steps, but it takes about 60 days to start seeing the results. Two months, three months if you're a little bit slower or a little more stubborn. <laughs> it takes about that long to reset a pattern, to create a new, a new pattern. And 
then it can take about a year to make it solid so you don't have to think about it anymore you know how it became it's be it's become your natural state it takes about a year for that to really set in especially if the groove was really deeply run i mean if you've been in depression for say 20 years or 10 years or five years yeah, you know, the amount of effort that it takes to get out of this pattern might take a little bit more for a person who has been in that pattern longer. So the quitting has to be a little bit more persistent and determined instead of, okay, I tried it for a week and oh, I quit. I'm just never going to be out of this depression. You got to be so persistent. If this is a long-standing mind game, long-standing program, you got to be really determined and it can be done it can be done i spent a lifetime of depression and i'd say it took me a year to finally just say interrupt keep interrupting the program with one of these repeating alarm kind of things back then it was a little beeper on the on the waist that would vibrate every half an hour because back then we didn't have smartphones and apps and the internet didn't even exist then so <laughs> If that tells you how old I am now, I'm 54, so I've been at this for a while. Before the internet, if you can imagine. And I, uh, every time it went off, I reminded myself to be in a peaceful state and a happy state. And would just fake it for a while till I made it, till it became, oh, okay, you know, actually this can be real. And, and then it just got stronger and stronger and stronger. I'd say I started seeing the results in about maybe actually five months, maybe six months, because I had it so bad. And I was listening to Pink Floyd in my dark room thinking about suicide. It was that bad all the time, <laughs> you know. Um, but it's so to get out of a really deep depression or to get out of really deep anger, really deep fear it took it i'd say i had to give it a half a year of persistence just keeping the gas on that thing not giving up just saying i know that there is a way that i can be this happy person i know that it's got i had faith and you have to have faith in yourself that you can change this or you're forget it might as well throw in the towel well no i wouldn't say that but but you know just keep trying you got to keep trying you got to keep and, and really just take trying out of your vocabulary. Really keep doing. Keep doing the work to change the habit, to quit the mind game, to change the programming, to say, I am quitting this programming. Make it the first thing you say when you grow up every day. I quit depression. I quit. And instead say, I embrace happiness. And... One thing that helps if you, one of my most powerful teachings for depression or anger or any negative emotion, silly cat videos. Mm. Works time. <laughs> if you don't know how to be in a good mood, just watch a silly cat video and puts you right in the right space. And then you're like, yeah, okay, all right, this is where I got to be. And then just memorize that feeling and let that pattern sit in your body, feel the changes in your emotions, feel the changes in your in your neural system, feel the changes in your muscles, the way you hold yourself. And just keep duplicating that every half an hour. Put yourself in that space, stay as long as you can before you go unconscious again. And then again, trigger. 
back into the, it's constant going back into this awakening. And that's the difference between a beginner and a master is how quickly they realize that they fell off the center or they fell into a program or they fell into a negative thought or emotion. How quickly they realized and how quickly they can get back on track. That's the difference. For instance, I used to stay angry for years with certain people or situations or things. And now, you know, maybe I'll be upset for 10 or 15 minutes, maybe at the most a day or two. But I learned not to waste my energy that way and just not be in that program for any length of time because it's toxic. It's, it's hurting you. I mean, it hurts the other person too, but it hurts you more. It hurts you the most. Especially if that person's not sorry for what they did, you know. It's like, well, now you're really just hurting yourself. But, so, persistence has to become your middle name. Self-discipline has to be your other middle name to actually quit a mind game. It has mm. to be that. So, or, or to quit a mind program, to, to quit a, to reprogram yourself, you have to be committed have to be committed it's not going to be like taking a magic pill like some ayahuasca or san pedro or even magic mushrooms or lsd or whatever it's not going to be that at all it's not going to be oh well if i just smoke pot all the time i mean some people think this is their solution uh, i've met people who are like well if i just kind of stay high all the time then i don't have to ever be upset it doesn't work that way and in fact it can amplify the conditions in a bad way if you use this medicine incorrectly, it's a medicine while it's being used for healing. It's a drug when it's being used for escape and denial and trying to numb yourself. Then, then it's not useful and it can actually be detrimental. They can be used detrimentally or benevolently in a, or constructively in a good way. It's up to you how you're going to use them. So... Anyway, just sidetracked there for a second, but quitting a mind game. It, oh, here's the one thing, other thing about mind games you should know is that there's these little gremlins to try to keep them going. It's hmm. part of the game. It's like human life is sort of like a little video game, and this is your avatar, and you, you have all these little challenges, and one of those is mind gremlins. They're, they're not big demons. They're... They're, if you think human world is very populated, wait till you see the spirit world. And you've got to pick your friends in the spirit world as carefully as you pick your friends in the human world. And if not even more carefully, because they have the power to influence you. And they will sneak in there and get that frustration going again, or they'll get that depression going again, or they'll get that fear going again because for them it's like a battery it's like drinking off a battery it's it's big juice mm. and they don't know any other way to get this energy and by keeping you in this space well if you suddenly go all peaceful and stuff they can't drink that that's not their diet they're not vegetarians or something like that or you know or they're not lightarians they're dark Aryans, and they need dark energy in order to fulfill what their needs are. Hmm. And so when you realize you're stuck in these patterns, 
You realize yourself, you're in this really dark place in your mind again. Because most of our suffering is all in our heads. It's actually not in our realities. Fortunately, we are very protected from our realities. Some people were born into places where they're not protected from their realities. There's war zones, there's starvation. There's They've decided to become this trigger for humanity's heart to open because this is the next step of humanity's evolution that says, okay, I can't actually harm myself anymore. Knowing that if someone on the other side of the world is starving, that's part of your own self. And we won't be able to harm each other anymore. That's humanity's next step of evolution. And people have been born into situations to be this evidence in this projection machine of consciousness to show humanity where it's at in its mass consciousness. And it's still pretty primitive. And so, in a way, it's the catalyst for this evolution that has to happen. So some have agreed to that, but most of us, especially the kind of people who are probably watching this video or listening to this podcast, most of us are are sufferings in our head. And so when you're finding yourself in that dark space and you can feel these gremlins around saying, yeah, come on, you're comfortable feeling fear, right? This is familiar to you. If you feel happy and stuff, it's just a lie. You're faking it. You're, it's not possible for you. The, and they use your voice to make you think that this is what you are saying to yourself. And, and use your voice to trick you into not knowing that there's an outside influence there. So what I always suggest to people is when you realize you're being influenced by some kind of dark gremlin, these little mind gremlins, these little... Well, tricksters, it's not evil, it's just mischievous, and sometimes it's a bet. I bet I can get this person to feed me a lot of fear if I just, you know, just whisper in their mind. And, you know, there is like a little bit of a betting going on, and it's a game. It's a game, and you have to be smarter than this game, the, the Gremlin Mind Trigger game. And what I suggest is just send them your love. Say, thank you for showing me what my program is that I need to change. Thank you for being here to trigger me. And, and now what I do is I send you a wish for your well-being. I pray for your well-being. You don't have to be a depression demon anymore. You don't have to be an anger spirit anymore. You don't have to be a fear demon anymore. Well, you could live a new life. You could actually have a, a good life. Do you want that? And what the they do is sometimes they're like, oh, oh you don't want to play this anymore. And then they're like, are you sure? Come on, come on. You know, you feel powerful when you're angry, right? Come on, come on. Let's do it. <laughs> And uh, and you have to say no. I, I actually am going to face my pain. I'm going to use different coping mechanisms now. I'm actually going to be more masterful about handling this human condition that I have. And I'm going to need to ask you to leave my presence now. And I hope for you to heal. If you want, just go back to the light right over there. The angels are waiting to take you home, and you could pick a different life. 
life if you don't want to be a anger demon anymore. And sometimes they're like, Ruff. and they're like, all right, I'm going to find somebody else to play a game of fear with since you're not playing right anymore. You're doing this happiness thing. <laughs> and, and, but sometimes, you know, some of them are like, hmm, I don't have to be an anger demon anymore. Wow, I never thought of that. And they start looking around at their other options. So you can put seeds in these dark spirits in their hearts, because they really are all just pieces of God fumbling their way toward ecstasy. That's really the destination in the end, fumbling their way back to oneness and emptiness and one and singularity and nothingness, which is where all of it was born from. They're part of this God self, too. They're not separate from you. They're your brothers and sisters who need your help, actually. But doesn't mean you have to let them keep feeding off of you and spinning this consciousness loop, trigger, helping to trigger this consciousness loop. You don't have to keep doing that with them. Really, you should only surround yourself with spirit beings that have good things to say to you. Like the angels or your guardians or or spirit beings who are specialists who can help you with whatever's going on in that moment. There are specialist angels who are like, all right, all right, we're going to help you manifest this life work now. Or uh, we're going to help you master being in a relationship now. Or we're going to help you we're going to help you find all the the steps that you need for this next step in your life. And so if you let only good spirits be around you, you only let benevolent influences into your life, and you don't allow dark spirits or gremlins to be around you, then you have just accomplished a huge step in quitting the mind games. Mm. You've moved the, some of the, the spirit triggers. And one of the ways to do this is I... If I feel dark energies around, like, oh, we see some fear here. Oh, we see some anger. Oh, we see some depression. Let's let's go in there and drink. Because they, they, they're looking for it. It's sort of like you, a fisherman looking in the sea of all this consciousness. And there's a human. Here's a bunch of humans over here, especially a group of them holding depression. Ooh, that's juicy stuff for them. And so... What I do if I find myself in negative emotions and I'm starting to attract the the ones that like to trigger the mind games is I take a deep breath, I light a candle, maybe a little bit of sage. Sage actually does clear the clean the energy in the space around you. Scientific proof, look it up. It actually kills bacteria in the air. Who would have thunk it, right? Um, but it does actually clear spirit energy too. But if you're not into sage, anything will work. Just intention is enough. But if you have a moment, sit in front of a candle or ha sit on, on a mountainside, look at the sunset or sit by some water. Water is really good for moving energy. And just take a breath and just clear your space and have like this this bubble around you just keep doing it until you feel all these gremlins or all these dark spirits that want to keep the negative space going that they all back off they're all just they have to take a step back because you're putting out this light you're putting out this love from inside you which is an un unending source this is a resource that can be tapped forever 
and remains an untapped resource in a lot of people but just take a breath and put this light out put this love out and this is really your protection from that kind of energy because that kind of energy has no interest in being in a in a loving and light space it has no it's like ick that love stuff ew and so it's like oh i gotta get out of here if i don't want to change so that way those kind of spirits can't be around you if they don't want to change and but you're in too masterful of a space for them to mess with you so mind games is a big subject or shall we say programming bad garbage programming it's a big subject and to quit that I just gave you some really powerful steps on doing that. Um, so it's your responsibility because no one's going to be able to just come and knock you off the... They can help. When people come to a retreat with me and take medicine, it helps. That's why I work with the medicine now instead of just the meditation or the satsang retreats or the, the talking retreats because medicine... Pff, cuts right through all the crap i mean i find that when i go into one of these retreats i just did a tour in the states of doing the free meditation retreats where it's just talk spiritual talk and and spiritual meditations and techniques but no medicine was involved like the ayahuasca or the san pedro or the magic mushrooms and I find that it takes a lot longer to get through all the mental defenses and all the mental strategizing and all the, it takes a lot longer to get through the mental body to get to the heart of the matter where the real healing can happen. And whereas the medicine just can turn a really tough guy into a, a, a ready to heal child in a moment or maybe in an hour. <laughs> But uh, it's it's really important to it's really important to have persistence because you're cutting through some really really thick forest when you're trying to change a mental pattern, uh, an emotional pattern, and it takes persistence and commitment. So might have been a little bit longer of an answer than I tend to. I have a long answer for these questions because you're asking such big questions, Mark. Yes, <laughs> yes I am. <laughs> but, uh, but again, just approaching the whole concept of what is reality is big in itself. And Yeah. I mean, I haven't really given any of my background, but I know I've mentioned it before when I went to do my big project to graduate from the metaphysics school. I, I had to redo the project three times just because I had to narrow the size down. I mean, when, when, wow. you, approach, when you approach the project with a subject matter that's so big, you know, I was like, I want to do a, the project, on, the master's project on in, infinite being. <laughs> oh, you pick big subjects, Mark. <laughs> yes, I did. I found out really quick. Uh, yeah, it, it must it was, be an infinite paper. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a reason it took me two years to... Uh, finally even narrow the topic down and dive mm. into it and then then it was just like six months <laughs> you know but, yeah right but uh yeah so i i kind of jump right into the big stuff and there's yeah. so much to explore but then again it gives you a lot of room to explore and just be free form 
Well, so. thank you for who you are. Thank you for thinking about the big questions in life and and bringing these big questions to the surface because there's a lot of people thinking about the big stuff in life now and realizing it's not all about material gain anymore and that it really is about self-introspection and and discovering what doesn't meet the eye in this reality. So thank you for that. Yeah. Not to be so serious now. So now the fun, really, <laughs> really fun one. Uh, I like this segment. It's I call it story time. But this is kind of like the third segment of where I ask, uh, what what is your most memorable reality break that you experienced when the quote-unquote matrix had a glitch or peak spiritual experience that you had or something that really stands out when reality broke and you go, hey, wait a minute, something weird happened here. (laughs) Gosh, there were so many of those. (laughs) What's your favorite? Ah, I know. When I discovered that the plant kingdom is sentient, Mm. I was in my early 20s and I was, I decided to take a break from life and I was planning just a, maybe a couple months in the mountains, kind of vision questing and trying to find out, maybe six months I was, I I had just done the whole rock and roll music business thing and got a little disillusioned after I got a stalker. I was a lead guitar player in the 80s, and that was a little different back then. I, But anyway, it was something that got a little weird, and I realized I, it wasn't making me happy like I thought it was going to. And I realized my my homework was within. My, my happiness, I had to bring out from within it wasn't gonna that was when i discovered that the outside world was not where this happiness is that's when i discovered oh okay it's not out here the the happiness is not out here the happiness is in here and then it'll reflect out here so i knew that the fastest route to what i wanted to experience which was having a happy life was doing my spiritual inner work so my first project was to go into the mountains. I was going to go for six months, canceled all the gigs, you know, gave the band a hug and, and said, you know what, I'll be back in six months. We can pick everything up then. Well, six months turned into six years in the wilderness. And um, whew, it was like a whole other lifetime. But within the first month was when I got my biggest spiritual moment. The first week I was like, okay, this is cool. I'm so glad my dad taught me how to camp and and work and live in the wilderness. I'm so glad. I'm so cool. Second week I was like, I really wish I had somebody to talk to. I am starting to be afraid to be by myself. And then third week, I was like, oh, my God, I'm crazy. <laughs> I was like, and I don't know if I want to be with myself. This is this because is I hadn't seen another soul for three weeks. And then by the fourth week, everything started calming down. I was like, all right, I'm committed to this. I'm here to do my spiritual work. I'm here to remove all distractions from my life. I'm here to just be with nature and the nature, the darshan of nature, nature, the blessing of nature, and heal myself. 
and and figure out why even though i was really successful in all these other areas even the music stuff and had a following why was i still so miserable inside even though on the outside it looked like i was having this great life well that's a long story but um by the fifth week i was starting to realize all this sentience around me because i thought i was alone I was like, okay, I'm in the wilderness all by myself, and I'm so alone, and there's no people, there's no consciousness to have a conversation with, there's nothing there. Well, I discovered I was surrounded by consciousness and sentient beings everywhere, in the animals, the rocks, the water, the trees, everything. And my first communication was, it was the first time I heard a plant talk. And I was hiking down this mountain with my 50-pound pack. And, you know, I would hike to different places and set up a base camp and, and just branch off from there for a week or two in all different directions. And then I'd hike another 20 miles and have another base camp somewhere. And uh, so I was on my way to one of these places. So I had my 50-pound. Usually I only had my day pack on, but I had my 50-pounder on this time. And... I, heard, I saw this tree growing around a rock. It was a baby pine tree on the side of the trail. And it was there was a rock that had rolled to where it was growing. And it had to literally grow around this rock. And then it was trying to go up, right? Well, it had this, like, curve and then was going up. And very few people ever walked by this place that I was hiking, if any, and this tree was like, hey, you, hey, hey, you walk it. Hey, can you move this rock so I could grow all straight and tall like my brothers and sisters? Come on, come on, come on. Hey, can you hear me? You know, it was almost like this tree was calling out like so desperately to have this obstacle removed from its from its life and its, and its growth and its health. And, you know, it does look like the rock just rolled there. Uh, for for some reason, who knows? It was California. Maybe there were earthquakes, and I was like, I'm not hearing this. This is my imagination, and I kept hiking. And I'm going down a steep mountain, and I could feel this plant, this tree. This it was only like you know this high. It wasn't very high yet, but it was a baby, and all these big beautiful pine trees all around it were just so strong and majestic and solid. And it was like I want to be like them. And I heard, I just felt its spirit sink. And I was like, oh, my one chance to have somebody move this rock. I mean, is it going to be like 20 years before so by then I'm going to be all mangled and distorted and have to grow in a disabled way? And, and oh, please, hey, you, please, can you hear me? Come back, come back, come back. I'm, I'm still not, I'm, I'm not going crazy. I think I'm going crazy. I just heard a tree talk. <laughs> and so... I, I continued down probably a half a mile down this mountain, and my heart just couldn't stop thinking I had done something wrong. The, there was a being that called for my help, and I didn't help, and I chose to not listen. So finally, I was like, all right. I put down the pack, and I hiked back up the mountain. 
<laughs> a half a mile back up this mountain to move this rock from this little tree. And when I started hiking back, I was like, what am I doing? I mean, this is crazy. And as I got nearer, I could feel the tree perk up. Like, oh, my God, you came back. Oh, thank you so much. You came back. And I moved the rock. And the tree was so grateful. So thank you, me. And so, like, I mean, I was just flooded with all this gratitude from this little tree. And it was like, oh, now I can grow up tall and strong like my brothers and sisters here. And it was so happy. And I felt good because I just knew I helped a little being that was sentient, that had a life, that had quite a life ahead of it, many many years. I mean, I don't know how long those trees live, at least 50 to 100 years. And I just changed this little tree's next 50 to 100 years. It's all, it's all life. Maybe those trees even live 200 years. I didn't know. But I realized, and then I looked around at all the other trees, and they were smiling, like, ah, a human who can hear us. They were like all big elders standing around, like, ah, good young grasshopper. You heard the tree. <laughs> and so... <laughs> That was the beginning of a really long relationship with the plant kingdom. After that, I had plants tell me what I could eat, what I couldn't eat. I, I didn't have to carry nearly so much food. And after that, I had a really, I mean, I know what plants need. I know, and even though I'm not really a professional gardener, I, I know nothing about gardening really, but somehow I know what the plants need. and. And uh, that Anastasia thing that people, that book or whatever, um, where she was talking about the power. I was doing that long before that book came out. Once I learned this this reality with the plant kingdom that it actually communicates with you and has a life. And in fact, there's this there's this Fintorn experiment. Did you ever hear about the Fintorn farm where they were trying to explore the life of plants? Well, they did this little thing where they hooked up all these electrodes to plants where in a room and they'd play classical music, they'd play heavy metal, they'd play classical they'd, or folk or they'd have people doing certain activities around these plants and see how the plants reacted. And they had quite a rich life. This electrograph would actually show that they were responding to what was happening around them. Well, then one day they sent a guy in with an axe and chopped one down really violently. And all the plants were like, oh my God, oh my God. They went nuts, right? And it just pegged the charts. I mean, that was really big evidence that these plants are actually perceiving you. They're actually perceiving the hug that you give to that tree. They're actually perceiving you sitting on the grass. The rock, I mean, we haven't measured rocks yet, but... I perceived that they have just as much of a, a reality. It's a much slower and quieter one, like a snail's pace, you know, how some animals, their consciousness runs really fast and they're moving really fast, whereas a snail moves at a really, their reality moves at a really slow pace. It's sort of like a plant versus a rock with, say, a fast-moving jittery animal compared to a rock's reality. But they all have this reality. They all have this central intelligence, this central sentience. 
And so they sent this guy in with the axe who came in and, and, and chopped down the tree. They sent him in without the axe. He was really nice. He was really sweet. He was singing a song. Those plants remembered him. <laughs> and they all went nuts on the track. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. The murderer's back. <laughs> and so that was that that tree was my first awakening. That little baby tree, pine tree in the mountains with that needed the rock moved. That was my first awakening to the sentience and the awareness that's in just the plant kingdom. This world is teeming with life. And if you think you're out in the wilderness all by yourself, you are not. You are surrounded by consciousness that is there to speak with you. If you only could adjust your perception, adjust yourself to have the eyes to hear and the ears to hear these messages and these. And, oh, my gosh, some grandfather trees shared such stories with me and shared such wisdom with me and 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 all the plants they have their personalities they actually have very uh some of them even have fairy-like personalities i think this is where everybody's imaginings about the fairies comes from is it's actually the plant kingdom hmm. uh there's little spirits that hover around the plants and these are the fairies too i've seen these 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 like there's gremlins that prey on the darkness. There's also the equivalent in the worlds of light and the worlds of of happiness and the heavenly worlds, and people call them fairies. But um, the plants themselves, especially some of the certain ones, especially flowers, are actually like fairies manifest in this reality. Their spirit is very fairy-like. And big old grandfather trees, old big wise elders, and uh, you know the the rocks. Man, talk about stories and wisdom, and the history they can tell. I mean, wow! To tap into the consciousness of a rock, it's gonna blow your mind. I dare you to try it. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, so so. I guess if there's a reality moment that changed the whole matrix for me, I mean, that changed life from that moment on. I mean, I have a lot of those life-changing moments, those peak spiritual experiences. But that was one that really changed everything. I never looked at a plant the same from then on. And then I started engaging with the mineral kingdom and the water kingdom and the air kingdom and started being able to work with the elements with alchemy. And hearing them giving me actually information on how to use the elements. They want to cooperate with us. Mm. They want to let us use the wind. They want to cooperate with if we need the water to move in a certain way. They they want to. They want to help humans. And so that was a matrix-changing moment right wow. there. <laughs> That's exciting. Yeah. I never would have thought of, uh, well, I, maybe the plants, I never would have thought of, uh, you know, the other objects and, and parts of nature that connecting with. So that's, wow. that's wow. Water consciousness will blow your mind, too, because the the water has been in so many beings. It's been, it's the same water that's been drunk by all the plants. It's been drunk by humans. It's been drunk by 
elephants. It's been drunk by horses. It's been drunk by dinosaurs. It's been up in the sky. It's been down in the earth. It's been in the rivers. It's been in the rain. It's been in the dewdrops. It's been in the vapor. It's been water consciousness. Wow. That's pretty trippy stuff. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, good stuff, huh? Yeah. Well, I'm going to officially wrap up our uh, podcast episode here. Okay. And, uh, thank you, Christine, for sharing the wonderful stories and your your experiences. Well, thank you for having me. And thank you for the big questions you answer. I love talking about this stuff. So thank you for giving me yet one more excuse to talk about the mysteries of the universe and reality and all that good stuff. And I, I really enjoy talking with you, Mark. You're such an intelligent and thoughtful person. Thank you so much for the work you do. Well, Christine, thank you for um, being on the Reality Explorers podcast with me. And Thank you. It's been a wonderful episode. And uh, I'd like to close with an opportunity to have you give some information about your school and your retreat. And where people could contact you or find more information? Yeah, sure. Uh, University of Metaphysical Sciences can be found at, very simple, metaphysicsuniversity.com. Gaia Sagrada Ayahuasca and San Pedro Retreat Center in Ecuador can be found at gaiasagrada.com. And Magic Mushrooms Retreats in Jamaica can be found at magicmushroomsretreats.com. So, um, and I have a YouTube channel, just look for my name, Christine Brees, and you can find all the links to any of these sites there. And, oh, and I do have a website, I always forget to tell, christinebrees.com. And um, so, but it would be nice to, I answer social media if anybody, um, not always, but Sometimes if, if a lot of people are like, how do I have a personal conversation with you? Really, honestly, the conversation should be shared in the public. So I answer comments if somebody asks a thoughtful comment. I'm not going to answer comments like I just want to have a private conversation with you. Or I want to ask you why the sky is blue. Um, I don't actually really know. But I think there's a scientific explanation for that. <laughs> but... Um, I will answer big questions like the ones you ask and questions about reality, questions about healing. I'll actually answer those on social media. So if you really want to have a conversation with me, social media is the place to go. And you'll find all those links on those sites. But that's the place to actually have a conversation. And uh, because the answers that I say... It's better that it gets shared. Hello, Zara. Yes, I hear you, (laughs) my cat. Um, It's better to have those conversations in a place where everyone can benefit from those questions and answers. Because a question one person asks is going to be the same question a lot of people would ask. So, so magic mushroom retreat, magic mushrooms retreats dot com, gaiasagrada dot com, and christinebreeze.com and metaphysicsuniversity.com sorry gosh i've never recited them all at once so Uh, thank you (laughs) 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 thank you so much mark no problem i I really enjoyed this uh the session and uh sure a lot of people are going to be touched by the information that we put out 
Yeah. Well, let's do it together. We're going to change the world together. Yes.